It was a change to my eyesight where I couldn't see things at distances very clearly. And on the surface, that's not that big of a deal. But when you start driving at night and you can't see what's too far ahead of you, that can be a problem, especially when it's raining or snowing. And you're not really quite sure what you're looking at when you're driving without your glasses. So for me, objects up close are very clear. I can I don't have my glasses on right now, so you can imagine what you look like in these eyes right now. Well, you're a little blurry Uh, with my glasses, though. I can see you very clearly, but I take them off. It's a different picture. So objects for me far away are very blurry. Well, that's called nearsightedness. That's when you're nearsighted. Now, the word myopia, M-Y-O-P-I-A, is the clinical term for nearsightedness, which means you just can't see far away. You can see up close, but not very well far away. How does this word myopia, I'm going to use some poetic license today, How does this word myopia pertain to a person who would be a believer in Jesus Christ? Well, the myopia would have to do with measuring your faith. Your faith. There is only faith for a myopic believer in what is seen. But what about your faith when things are unseen or unknown? What is faith? We just talked about that. Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2. Some of you may still have your Bibles open to that. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. That's what faith is. For our ancestors won God's approval by it. Our entire relationship with Jesus Christ is based upon faith. Believing in the promises of God. Amen? Believing in God's promises for salvation and what goes with that, eternal life. Believing in those promises. Without faith, it's impossible for us to experience any security in where we are today. That's why we call people who don't know the Lord lost. When you're lost, you don't know where to go. You don't know how to find your way. That's what it means when you're lost. You don't know where you're going. You seldom know what you're doing. You don't have any direction. Believers have direction. If a believer chooses to live for the moment and fails to see the importance of what's going to happen in the future, you're not relying on any hope or promises that Jesus offers. Think about this as you live your life today. If you're living a life where there is a lack of confidence in where you stand, it has an effect on how you're living. It has an effect on how others see you. We'll talk about that more in detail. So without faith, every believer reverts to a place that is most familiar. You know what that place is? The flesh. Without faith, you go right back to who you are. The flesh. In the flesh, we are myopic. Let's take a look at some symptoms of myopia in a believer. Number one, the symptom of a myopic believer is hidden or spoiled fruits of the spirit. You get that? Hidden fruits or spoiled fruits. Take a look at Galatians uh, chapter 5. Please turn to that. Galatians 5, we're going to look at verses that talk about what we are in the flesh and what the Spirit provides us with enabling fruits to overcome the flesh. 
Galatians 5, verses 19 through 25, and we'll read that together when we're all there. It says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. That alone is very telling. You can't hide these things amongst others. You can be dishonest with yourself about them, but ultimately people see who you are when you're in the flesh. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Sounds like somebody we know, doesn't it? These things I've described. Every one of us has known someone like this. And if you're being really honest, you were that person too. And you know that when you're lost, these are the kind of behaviors that you will exhibit. These are the kinds of things that you will do. But guess what? As believers in Jesus Christ, if you're in the flesh, you'll do the same thing. Because you're in the flesh. You're not relying upon faith. Let's continue. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, praise the Lord, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, How about that? There's that word again. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. That's in faith. Doing what the Spirit would have us to do rather than the flesh. Amen? Now, your flesh will prevent the spirit from operating in your life. Amen? Your flesh will prevent the spirit from doing the very things we just talked about. The love, the joy, the patience, the peace. The flesh will overcome that if you allow it to. If you do what you want to do, The flesh will always prevail. Your flesh will hide the fruits of the Spirit. Your flesh will spoil your fruits. Second point. A myopic believer is short on faithing. And long on complaining. Short on faithing and long on complaining. You ever been around somebody who complains all the time? This ain't right. So-and-so did me wrong. Everything is wrong. Stuff is horrible. This place is a mess. This church is jacked up. The pastor don't know what he's talking about. Why don't we even come here and sit and listen to it? There's always something wrong. What's right? Is there anything right? Short on faithing, long on complaining. Y'all too quiet, too, because you know... We can talk about this all day. We can talk about how people just run their mouths constantly and don't have anything to say. You ever heard the saying, an empty cart makes the most noise? 
There's no faith in that. Maybe it's just too real for you. Maybe there's somebody in the family or something. Somebody you work with. Somebody you associate with on a regular basis. You wonder how they're functioning. Because there's always a complaint. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's take a look at how we overcome that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Now, this scripture actually mentions the word complaining because God knows that we will have our moments where we're going to have a complaint about something. Or we may be in a little bad situation where things aren't working right. Everybody's against us. And that's very true if you're a believer because Satan's against you. He doesn't want to see you succeed. So there'll be those moments where you'll be complaining about it. But let's look at what Scripture says about that. It says in verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 4, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other. Not just a love, but an intense love. There are moments when we have to rally around each other and encourage each other and lift each other up when we're not doing so well. Our challenge as believers is to admit when we're not doing so well so people can encourage you and lift you up. Be honest with yourself. We as a body are supposed to support each other. That's why we fellowship. That's why we get together as a group. Maintain an intense love for each other since love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. This verse is reminding you what your responsibility is as a believer. Even when you are not at your best, God still calls you to serve him in some way, shape, or form. Now, what does that mean, not at your best? That could mean any number of things. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad week. You're having a bad month. You're sick. You have an ongoing illness. You don't understand it. Well, the natural thing to do is complain about that. Because you're in the flesh. Who wants to feel lousy? Anybody? Who wants to go out of their way to just feel miserable? No hands went up. Okay. I'll assume that means you don't want to. Because we don't. We want to be at our best. Amen? We want to be at our best at all times. Well, sometimes things happen where we're not at our best. That's life. Based upon the gift each one has received, once again in verse 10, use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. Don't be a complainer. You can complain, but you know what? Snap out of it. Because God has something greater for you. Now, don't misunderstand me. When I say snap out of it, that's a mindset. Because there's healing that's taking place in the midst of your areas of where you're falling short. Where you're not feeling well. God is working with you. He never leaves you, nor forsakes you. And we have to remember that. You know, the whole message of the gospel, when it talks about go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. But what does he say in verse 20? And remember, I'm always with you. That's really important. That's encouraging. Your Jesus is always with you, no matter what you're going through. So don't get caught in the myopic state of being short on faithing and being long on complaining. Amen? Third point, missed blessings mean 
Missed opportunities. Missed blessings mean missed opportunities. I want you to turn to a verse that I just kind of stumbled across even in preparation. 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you don't mind. 2 Timothy 2. And we're going to go to verses 3 through 5. Now look at this verse. It says in verse 3 of 2 Timothy 2, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Well, that might be the memory verse of the day. That's verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To please the recruiter, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of everyday life. What's the concerns of everyday life based upon? Seeing things in the flesh. Amen? Verse 5. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, it's interesting to read something like this and say, what does this have to do with missing blessings? Well, if you are faithful, if you're really paying attention to what God would have you to do, you're going to see everything put before you. You're going to see everything that God does for you. Even in the midst of your suffering, even in the midst of your difficulty, be a good soldier. Stay the course. An athlete prepares for the purpose of doing the duty of competing for the purposes of winning the race. Guess what? You're competing right now. You are running a race. You are running in the human race. And in order to compete effectively, you need to prepare. You need to be able to prepare so that you can see God working over and over and over again in the midst of your preparation, in the midst of your daily comings and goings. You will see him working in your life. A person in the flesh won't see anything. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. There are so many different choices or options out there. You listen to a bunch of folks, they'll have you convinced that Jesus Christ is not the answer. He's one of several different answers. But there's only one. When you're lost, that's what you run into. But when you're focusing on Jesus Christ, when you are running the race as a good soldier... You will see the blessings. And when you see the blessings, you'll see the opportunities that you have when you witness to other people. You'll know and recognize how God has been good to you. And you will convey that to other people. Amen? When you're wallowing in the mud, in the flesh, you don't want to deal with anybody. Bad, bad, bad. Complain about everything. What a great testimony. I wish I could say that no believers do this stuff. (laughs) Well, I guess I didn't say it now. I wish I could say that. But that's why we're having this little discussion today. Myopic believers live this way. They're saved by grace, and after that, it's all downhill. Well, obviously, I'm not talking to anyone like that here today. Amen? Y'all didn't speak up fast enough. Yeah, you got it. That's right. Watch out now. Let me give you another verse 
that I want you to understand, too, about missing the blessings and missing the opportunities. It's all rooted on our approach and listening to how God is working with us, and he will show you everything. But it starts with obedience. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is a great section, and it goes on and on and on about how you will see how God is going to bless you if you just start with obedience, for goodness sake. All it takes for you to recognize his blessings, it starts with his, your obedience to him. He's not going to steer you wrong. He's going to get you where you need to be. If you don't feel like you're where you're supposed to be, just trust him. That's what faith is all about. He will guide you where you need to go. People who are lost have no hope for that. Do you understand that? Isn't it funny how guys, when they, before we get to this, just occurred to me to think of something. Isn't it funny how a man, a husband and a wife will be riding in a car and they're trying to go to a destination and the, the man will drive the car but not know where he's going. <laughs> this just occurred to me. And now, what does the man have to do? He has to ask for directions. That man will drive for 45 miles. Without saying anything. And the wife will just be cool about it and say, I know we're lost. He won't ask for directions. I guess we just go on a ride together until he figures it out. Well, sadly, people who truly are lost and don't know the Lord, they don't know where to go. We do. But it starts with obedience. Look at verse 1 in Deuteronomy 28. We're going to look at 10 verses, and they'll go quickly. But they're all very important. It says, now, if, if is a big word in Scripture. Amen? If is one of the biggest words, it's the shortest word behind A, but if is one of the biggest words in Scripture because it's a conditional statement. Now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands, I am giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. Now, he's making this reference to Israel. But that refers to you as a believer, because guess what? You're a child of God within the body. You have the same blessings. You have the same opportunities, the same conditions, if you are obedient. Look at verse 2. All these blessings will come and overtake you. Now, you know what that means? You are going to be so blessed, you are going to be overwhelmed with joy. I mean, that's what that is. You're going to have so much blessing, you won't know what to do with it. Except enjoy it. That's the kind of blessing I want, man. Go ahead and shower me with those blessings. Amen. And don't stop. But it starts with your obedience. Now look what he says here. He gives you detail. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city. Now, this is really cool. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. Your descendants will be blessed and your land's produce and the offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basket and kneading bowl will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. That just about covers everywhere you go, what you eat, your descendants, everything about you is going to be blessed. That covers everything. He goes on. Verse 7, the Lord will cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. You will have enemies rise up against you. Amen. It's going to happen. But God is telling you, you are going to be victorious. They will march out against you from one direction, but flee from you in seven directions. What is the great thing we can say? Satan, get behind me. Satan, flee from me. And he will. 
if you're obedient and not listening to the flesh. If you listen to the flesh, Satan's sitting right next to you. Satan will overpower you. Verse 8, the Lord will grant you a blessing on your storehouses and on everything you do. He will bless you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore to you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by Yahweh's name and they will stand in awe of you. So not only will you be blessed, Not only will you be overpowered with blessing, everybody who sees you will know you are a child of God. Unequivocally, unmistakably, you're a child of God. What a testimony that is when you walk in a room. Do you get me with that? Do you understand that? He is going to lift you up to the point where you just cannot help but be recognized as a child of God. Even when you're not at your best, even when you're not feeling well, even when you have a cold, whatever, it it doesn't matter. You are going to be seen as a child of God. What a blessing that is to be able to go and know that people see you as one of God's own children. That's a blessing. And notice we're not really talking about material things per se here. Don't miss that. Are we on the same page with that? This is not about a prayer saying if you're going to be obedient, you're going to have seven Rolls Royces in your driveway. (laughs) Or the biggest house. It's not about that. I had to throw it out there. Okay? Because there's too much prosperity gospel teaching now that kind of counters that message where we're talking about not prosperity as in how many toys you have. He who has the most toys wins when they die, which you know that's not true. Amen? Now, if you're in the flesh, I have to throw it out there. Drop down to verse 65 in Deuteronomy 28. Because there's a lot more to it, but I kind of encapsulated it in just three verses. This is what happens if you're lost. This is what happens without faith. This is what happens when you don't have any certainty about anything. This is deep. Read these verses and and, and see what I'm talking about here. Look at verse 65. This is if you're not obedient. This is if you're falling to flesh. This is if you're doing all the things that we talked about that you shouldn't be doing. You will find no peace among those nations, and there will be no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and a despondent spirit. Your life will hang in doubt before you. It gets worse. You will be in dread night and day, never certain of survival. In the morning, you will say, if it were only evening, if only it were evening. In the evening, you'll say, if only it were morning. Can you imagine living like that? Because of the dread you will have in your heart and because of what you will see. That's life in the flesh. That's life without trusting in God. That's life without faith. You can't rest. You won't sleep. You're like somebody who's on the lamb from the law. You're a fugitive. You can't rest. You got to sleep with both eyes open. Because you don't know when the authorities are coming to get you. That's a life of dread. Who wants to live like that? That's why so many of them just turn themselves in. I can't live like this. You don't want to live like that. The sad thing is, the verse mentions it. People live like this. 
not knowing what to expect, not knowing what to look forward to. I pray a believer in Jesus Christ would never experience this. There's no need to. Amen? No need to. But if the flesh overpowers, you allow the flesh to be the dominating way you live, this is you. So the problem we have after looking at these three things is that if these are your attributes, hidden or spoiled fruits, complaining, and frankly, unappreciative of what you have, because there's a lack of appreciation in what God has done for you. What will other people see in you where they can be encouraged? Can you, as a myopic believer, encourage anyone? Someone said no. Does everybody agree with that? Can you encourage anybody if you're in a bad state like this? They're going to see somebody who looks like they're in the world. So how is a person who's lost going to come to you if you look like you're in the world? Other than to ask you if you want you know, to go out for a drink or something or go and get hammered or go and do all the things they've been doing just to forget about life. You'll get those invitations. Will you take them up on it? A believer's actions must be evident to others in ways that are deemed to be Christ-like. Christ-like. People need to see Jesus Christ when they see you. They need to see those actions, the things that Christ did. They need to see that in your life. Anything less than that for a believer is inadequate. Amen? Anything less than that, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and they don't see that in you, that's inadequate. That's a hard line, but you've got to draw that line. If you're not living for Christ in everything that you do and people don't see that in you, you've got some work to do. You've got some work to do. You need to get trained up. You need to start working on that. If you're a good soldier, what does a good soldier do? A good soldier trains. A good soldier prepares. A good soldier is ready to do battle. A good soldier just doesn't show up one day and say, I missed all the meetings. I can't do any. I missed the meetings, of the team meetings. I didn't participate in anything else. I'm ready to go. No, you're not. In sports, if you miss team meetings, guess what? You get suspended. You're not going on the field. You're not playing. If you miss preparation before going into battle, what's going, is that going to help the other people on the team or is that going to hurt the other people on the team? It hurts them. You have a responsibility as a believer. You have to prepare. This myopic behavior, left untreated, can be disastrous in the long term. Now, God is aware of this condition and its treatment. Just like you've got to go get a pair of glasses because you can't see, God has a prescription for this myopic behavior. It begins with a growing relationship in Jesus Christ. Amen? He wants you to have more as a believer than just plain old fire insurance. For goodness sake, that's what we're talking about here. Most people become believers in Jesus Christ, and that's the end of it. You didn't know I was going to talk about that today, did you? No, that's right, because the Spirit is amazing. <laughs> more than just having fire insurance. We make a joke about that, but it's no joke. Please go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's talk about this fire insurance. It's something that we really need to discuss because 
We have a lot of people who say they know God. Got that. Okay, you know God. Whoopee for you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. Well, good for you. Hooray for you on that one. Now, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, yes, I understand that Jesus Christ actually was a great guy. He was a prophet. He was this. He was that. We've got people who are all over the place with this stuff. And they go to church. They go to church. So let's just make this the statement that, okay, you understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again and paid the penalty for you. So therefore, you believe he is Lord. Congratulations, you have eternal life. But there's more than that to how you live your life. Do you just say that's the end of that? Look at what 1 Corinthians 3 says, verse 14 through 16. If anyone's work that he has built survives. Now, work implies what? You're actually doing something in the kingdom for Jesus Christ. Well, once you become a believer, you've got some work to do. It doesn't just stop because you understand who Christ is. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, it will be lost, but he will be saved, yet it will be like an escape through fire. That's too close for comfort, everybody. I mean, I learned a long time ago not to put my hand on a burning stove. Because you'll get burned. And too often, we get burned sometimes by accident. Coming in close contact with a hot iron or whatever it is. Or, you know, girls, when they put their hair up and they used to, used to fry their heads with this stuff. I don't know how you could use a hot iron or curling iron. That's hot. Well, that's not the kind of fire we're talking about here. If you're having an escape through fire, escape is a very, very strong implication that you're going to get through by the skin of your teeth. That's what this means. If you have nothing to show once you become a believer for your work in the kingdom, the stuff that you think you did was so great, it's going to be burnt up. I know that's not proper English, but you get the idea. It's going to be burnt up. Which means you have nothing to show God at all. Verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are, in, you are God's sanctuary and the Spirit of God lives in you? Now, what is that saying to you? If you know that you are saved by grace, then why are you sitting on the sidelines? Don't you know what God has done for you? Why are you sitting on the sidelines? Don't you know that God resides in you through the Holy Spirit? Then what are you doing? Are you waiting around for someone to give you direction on what to do? You already have that direction. Jesus Christ is giving you the direction through the Holy Spirit. You already know what you should be doing. Now, I'm going to add something else here, too. Don't think that you're even going to get a pass with this fire insurance thing. Because one thing we've got to be very, very careful about and understanding is that God knows your heart. Amen? God knows where you are at any given moment. He knows your commitment to him. He knows if you have truly gotten saved. I can't tell you if you're saved or not. Amen? And no one else can. That's up to you. That's why I made the comment earlier, well, Jesus Christ was a prophet. Jesus Christ was this. You know, I know who he is. 
A lot of folks know who he is and aren't saved. You're not going to get a pass. God's going to call you out if you haven't been honest with yourself. Go to Ezekiel chapter 15. This is a really interesting verse. And I say this because I think it's very important to know that just as God gives direction, he also has prompted many a believer, I believe this with all my heart, on how to get effective, how to get moving, how to do stuff, how to get going for the kingdom. And people ignore it. They're lazy. They sit on their behinds. It's much easier to sit on your behind, isn't it? So not only are we myopic, we're lazy. There are things we could be doing. Yeah, watch out, right? Look at verse 6 in Ezekiel 15. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says, like the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire as fuel... So I will give up the residents of Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. These must be God's chosen people. I will turn against them. They may have escaped from the fire. Look out. But it will still consume them. And you will know that I am Yahweh when I turn against them. I will make the land desolate because they have acted what? Unfaithfully. Obedience. A lack of obedience is being unfaithful. Unfaithfulness is the opposite of what? Having faith. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So we might talk about fire insurance all we want to, and it doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. This is not where I'm going with this. But it doesn't mean you're going to get any real reward. You have to understand something. When we're talking about a holy God, God separates sin. People who have sinful behavior, he does not want any part of that. He's a holy God. We have to be very, very conscious of our behaviors, our actions. In other words, don't do yourself, do everybody a favor around you. Don't say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and act a fool when you leave here. I don't think I could be more adamant than that. Please, just keep your mouth shut. If you want to act a fool when you leave here, that's on you. But don't do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be that testimony. Your prescription for myopia. Work on your image. Image is an acronym, an acronym, I always say an acronym. It's an acronym for five things that are very important for the growth of a believer. You're not just reading it, you're an investigator. That's the I word. You're investigating scripture. You're getting deeper and deeper into scripture. You're not just reading the Bible. Reading the Bible is not enough. You now need to read it and study it and grow in it. You're an investigator. M is meditate on the word. Meditating on the word so that you are growing in what you've read. Seeing how God is speaking to you. You meditate on the word. A stands for applying the word. The word that you've read, the words you've studied now, the words you've meditated on, and applying it in your life. By applying it, you're automatically now going to be that person people see as a believer in Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, because you're applying the word, because you're obedient to the word. The blessings will come, because you're being obedient to the word. You'll be overwhelmed with blessings, because you're applying the word. Amen? You can't help but grow in the word. That's the G word in image. Growth. You're going to grow. You're going to be able to learn more by this fellowship you have in growing with Jesus Christ. 
You're going to be able to learn more, and you will develop as a believer. And you can impart what you learn to others as you grow. And finally, the E word in image is endure, because you're going to have to endure a great deal while you're doing all these things. Satan's going to attack you. Satan's going to attack your family. Satan's going to attack your children. Children, Satan will attack your parents. You'll have to endure it. Scripture says this is going to happen. This is not anything strange. You know this as you read the word and study the word. It's going to happen, but you have to endure. That's your image. That's what you have to do. That's your prescription for a myopia. All of those things are rooted in what? Faith. Believing that the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and now understanding what he is calling you to do. That's how you overcome this myopic state. And let's look at some other, another verse, too, that talks about the endurance aspect. Go to Ephesians 6 real quick. Ephesians 6, we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. Remember when we talk about soldiers being prepared, athletes preparing, training? Well, when you get on the field, you have to have a certain uniform. Amen? You just can't show up wearing your street clothes. It wouldn't look right, for one thing, and you'd be out of place. Everybody's in uniform. Well, here's your uniform. Verse 13 in Ephesians 6, this is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything to take your stand. I guarantee you, if you are not preparing... For this evil day that Scripture is talking about, you will be nowhere in sight. And I guarantee you, there are people that you may know right now who says, I'm strong in the Lord, I'm following this, I'm doing that. They will be running for the hills. You won't see them. Because they weren't prepared. They were talking a good game. Talking a good game. Talk is cheap, y'all. You've got to stand behind your word. If you're preparing, you're going to be ready. Verse 14. Stand, therefore, with, a tru- with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest. And your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of what? Faith. And with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? God's word. Verse 18 is just as important as the rest of it. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. Every prayer and request. Every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. In order for you to do this, you've got to be prepared. You have to gird yourselves up. Remember what we talked about earlier? What's going on in the world today? Anything and everything. Everything and anything. And a world without hope has no one to go to. They have to hope that nuclear war won't break out. But we know that's already happened. That's nothing new. But you have a responsibility. You are not to be a myopic believer, a person who only sees the stuff that's in front of them, but doesn't see far away, doesn't see God working. That shouldn't be you. You know 
what you need to do. Amen? You know what you need to do, not because I'm saying it, because God says it to you. You know what your responsibility is as a believer. Now it's up to you to determine. Do you need a prescription? Do you need to fix where you're at? Do you need to refocus on what's right, what's good, what's important, what's faithful? The world does not want to see you ever get that prescription. Amen? The world would just as soon see you disappear. Because you're in their way. You're in the way. You have the gospel of Jesus Christ waiting to be proclaimed to anyone who wants to hear it. But you're in the way of the world. That's why you have to endure. Amen? You can do it. But you have to decide that you're going to do it. Today and the rest of your life. Amen? Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. We thank you for the encouragement of your word. We thank you for showing us the good and the bad that we need to see. Thank you for showing us about how you will bless us when we are obedient to your word. Thank you for showing us your love and care and concern for us. Thank you for showing us how you hate sin. But you welcome our fellowship with you and we trust in Jesus Christ, you as Lord and Savior. We thank you for those lessons. Help us, Lord, to live in such a way where we can see beyond what the world gives us. See beyond the things of this world. Where we have faith that you provide eternal life for us. And with that understanding that we will go out and worship, praise, and serve you in a mighty way. Not just in a casual way. Not just in a way where we are fulfilling what we perceive to be an obligation. Because, Lord, we have a love for you that we want to do this. You don't compel us to do anything. You give us the information. You show love for us. You loved us before we even loved you. Help us to see that. Help us to live that way as we go forward. And we thank you and give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There is so much in this where we have a lot of work and an obligation to just look at what God says to us and just find what God says to us and just find.